We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala. We seek blessings on the Prophet, peace be upon him. Continuing our exploration of Fihi Mafihi, Rumi's Signs of the Unseen, as translated by Thaxton. We are now on page uh, three, page two of the book. And of the PDF we are looking at is page 30 or three, I don't really know. But it's uh, where it says, it occurs to me. Okay. Yeah, of the PDF, three, and then parentheses, 30 of 287. Yeah. Okay, go for it. All right. It occurs to me to interpret a verse of the Quran, even if it is not pertinent to this discussion. Okay, small point here. <clears throat> Part of this approach. Um, so one thing that you may have noticed is that we're literally taking things sentence by sentence and looking at the, the scenario that he's building, like, you know, giving and then receiving and then becoming dependent and so forth and so on. And so here, another point is, you know, when you have an insight, uh, it is related to whatever it is you were thinking about. Mm -hmm. And so he just had this whole lesson about giving and receiving and independence and dependence and such and then transformation. And so now he has this next section which is in some ways on its own but he feels it is probably relevant so he says you know curse me i have this this ayah even though it may not be pertinent but essentially it's going to be pertinent we are going to find a relationship okay continue anyway since it occurs to me now i may as well say it out god said O prophet say unto the captives who are in your hands if god hath known any good to be in your hearts he will give you better than what hath been taken from you and he will forgive you, for God is gracious and merciful. Okay, so this is Surah Al-Anfal, and Allah Ta'ala is telling the Prophet, peace be upon him, about the captives. If you, if there's any good in you, he's going to give you better than it. He will forgive you. So what does that translate as? If you become Muslim, okay, you're going to have, you're going to be in better shape than what you are in now you're going to have more than what you've lost. Okay. And part of that is going to be, if you become Muslim, number one, you're going to be forgiven. Okay. Which on the other side is going to be better. And you're also going to be given perhaps all your wealth that you lost back. And then you're going to have more because now you're on the side of the Muslims. Okay. So he's saying to, he's telling the Prophet, peace be to tell the captives that you're uh, not only is your akhirah going to be better, but your dunya is going to be better. Okay. This is what you have going for you. Okay, continue. Okay. Um, the reason for the revelation of this verse is as follows. The blessed prophet had defeated the infidels. Having slain and plundered, he took many prisoners and had them bound hand and foot. Among, among these prisoners was his uncle Abbas. All night long, the prisoners wailed in their fetters and bemoaned their miserable, wretched condition. Having given up all hope, they were waiting for the sword to end their lives when the Prophet saw them and laughed. Okay. So here's another important point, <coughs> that uh, Rumi is a very traditional Sufi, in, in the sense that uh, the traditional Sufi begins with Sharia, and then expands from within the Sharia. So Dr. Omar's metaphor is beautiful in this, that Islamic law will be the milk, and then the, the way the Sufis or spirituality will be butter, which comes from the milk itself. The common stereotype of the Sufis, which is because some Sufis do this, is that they throw the Sharia out. 
but Rumi is very, very orthodox. And so his relationship is with the Quran itself, as well as here he's looking at Asbaba Nuzul, he's looking at the condition, the occasion for the revelation or the cause of revelation. And yeah, and so we're looking at the condition of these people who are in prison getting ready to get executed. Okay. Oh, by the way, when it says the prophet saw them and laughed, his uh, what's being described as him laughing was probably a smile. Mm-hmm. You know, and he probably chuckled a little bit. It was probably very, very subdued. Because, well, yeah, continue. <laughs> you see, they said, he does, ha- he does have humanity in him. The claim that he is not human is untrue. For here, seeing us in these bonds and fetters as his prisoners, he rejoices exactly as a carnal man would rejoice in glee if he had conquered his enemy and seen him vanquished. So what are they saying? They see him laugh? Um... So they see the humanity in him because he's happy that he has victory. Yeah, he, he, his joy is in conquering. Whereas the Sahaba are describing him as somebody of perfection in human nature. Like yeah. a normal human being <clears throat> would just feel this joy in the fight and this joy in this conquest. Mm-hmm. And, and so they're seeing the prophet laugh or smile. And so they're saying, yeah, he's just like us. So what else are they doing here? They're already in the wretched state, mm-hmm. and they're still giving themselves an excuse for why they don't need to follow him. Mm-hmm. Like, he's just like us. Right. Yeah. Okay, continue. The prophet, however, read their thoughts and said, Oh no, I am not laughing because I see my enemies vanquished, or because I am rejoicing at seeing you at a loss. I'm laughing because with my inner eye I see myself forced to drag with chains and fetters a group of people out of hell's fiery furnace and black smoke into the eternal garden of heavenly paradise. They are bewailing and lamenting, saying, Why are you taking us away from this place of perdition into that asylum and rose bower? Okay. And then just read the next sentence. That is why I'm laughing. Okay. So the first part, what is he saying? He's saying, no, I'm not laughing for the reason you think. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm laughing because I'm seeing the reality of the situation. Yeah. That you are trying your best to go to hell. Mm-hmm. And then think about think about the scenario that we have. So this is the Quraysh. Mm-hmm. They are receiving the Quran in their dialect. Mm-hmm. So not just Arabic, but their dialect. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, they have the best possible person in all of human history calling them. Mm-hmm. And he's their cousin. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they know him to be brutally honest. It's so honest that it's not conceivable that he would even massage the truth. Mm-hmm. You can't get a better scenario than that. And they're saying, no, we still don't want it. To the point that they're even imprisoned by him. And they know or they believe they're going to be executed. And they're still saying, no, we don't want it. Mm-hmm. And so he's saying, look, I mean, how absurd is this situation? Mm-hmm. It's like they're a bunch of little two-year-olds crying. And that is the reality of how a lot of adults behave when it comes to belief. That they behave literally like little children. Okay. They don't even want to hear it. And I've seen this, like they'll literally even look like they'll go through like the body positions of a two-year-old who doesn't want to eat, food, eat dinner. Uh, they'll behave exactly like that when it comes to Dean. And that is why he's laughing. Okay, continue. Since you still... Since you still do not have the power of vision to comprehend and see clearly what I am saying, God commands me to say this to you. First, you gathered many hosts and much might, and, relying totally upon your own strength, valor, and might, you told yourselves that you would do thus, and so, 
and would utterly vanquish the Muslims. You thought no one was stronger than you. You could not imagine anyone mightier than yourselves. Now that all of you, now that all you had planned has turned out otherwise, and now that you lie trembling in fear, you have not repented of your malady and are in desperate straits. You still cannot conceive that anyone could be more powerful than you are. It is therefore necessary for you to see me in my might and power, and yourselves as subject subject to my wrath, in order that things may be made easy for you. Okay, so let's stop right there. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I love this last point. Things may be made easier for you. Mm-hmm. So what is the obscured vision of reality that they have that everything is based on might, material strength? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so they felt, all right, in the Arabian Peninsula, nobody has more strength than us. And they have valor and might and such. And so they thought, all right, we're just going to wipe everybody out. Okay, not a problem. And so <clears throat> they looked at the material as the reality. Mm-hmm. And then derived this view of themselves because of their material situation and and so so not only did they waste or you can say invest in their minds but ultimately in waste uh, all this time developing might they developed this outlook where they couldn't even imagine anybody mightier than themselves and this is a, a problem that happens when someone gets addicted to their dunya that you reach a point where uh, you might have some amount of success and you develop this myopia, this, this short-sightedness where you can't even imagine someone is, is as great or as powerful. Okay. And so, so it's literally what we're seeing is this narcissism in them, this inflated sense of their self. Okay. So what did the prophet have to do uh, to open their hearts? To potentially open their hearts, he had to put them into humiliation. So their goal was not just was not even necessary to wipe people out, but to prove to themselves how powerful they were, and that necessitated necessitated wiping people out. But for the Prophet peace be upon him, he uh, his goal is just to please Allah Taala, and so he is going through the process of of fighting them, and they had to be then subjected to him. They had to be put in a position of humiliation. So here's the interesting thing, that the default approach we should take um, with people in general is to be gentle with them. But if somebody is really consumed with arrogance, then the default approach is often to be super tough mentally. So when do I have this experience in the office? When someone comes in, uh, it's almost like with guns blazing about how religion is stupid and you know they but they don't believe in religion and such, and they'll come in very very tough, uh, very aggressive, and then I have to then push back equally hard, and what happens with most of these people is that it's like a balloon that has suddenly run out of air. Mm-hmm. Um, they immediately get super super defensive because they have nothing else. All they had was bluster, and that's what the Quraysh were. And so, so he had to bring that, bring them to that type of subjugation, like essentially exposing that they got nothing, for it to be made easy for them. Mm-hmm. Now they're in a position where they can open their hearts. I can continue. Do not despair of me. Do not despair of me in your fear, for I am able to deliver you from this fear and lead you to safety. Okay. So now, what is he doing? <clears throat> What's the next phase? He has reduced them. Okay. And, and, and I mean, this is after, the, and so he's reduced them in terms of battle. They're in prison now. 
and he's pointing out the absurdity of their situation. But now he's saying he's saying there's hope. Okay, all is not lost. There's still hope. Do not despair of me in your fear. Okay, do not let your fear conquer yourself here. Okay, and I can I'm the one who can bring you to safety. Do you want it? Okay, continue. He who can bring forth a black cow from a white one can bring forth a white cow from a black one. Okay, so here we're talking about Alotala. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So in their mind, they probably can't still conceive of embracing the prophet peace be upon him. And so who is the prophet who's the prophet speaking to? He's also speaking to himself. Okay. You know, your hearts look like they're made out of rocks. Your hearts look like they're solid as stone. But Alotala can turn anything around. Uh, and perhaps he's speaking to the Sahaba who are with him. Yeah. As he is speaking directly to them. Okay, and then continue. He causeth the night to succeed the day, and he causeth the day to succeed the night. He bringeth forth the living out of the dead, and he bringeth forth the dead out of the living. So now think about this from their context. The prophet is reciting this. Okay. So now a couple things are happening. One is he is saying to them, okay, you can't look at yourself as hopeless. Like, there's one really nasty excuse that people give in the Quran. Like, our hearts are wrapped up. Our hearts are, uh, 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 like, our hearts are really uh, uh, wrapped up. Um, and so it's too late for us to have belief. And Allah Ta'ala curses people who say that. Mm-hmm. And, and so he is saying to them, look, just as the night can be turned into the day, just as the day can be turned into the night, just as Allah can bring the living forth from the dead. Um, the Prophet is saying this to them about their hearts. Your hearts, you think, you know, you have to believe that you can change. And they're also listening to the recitation. So the recitation Mm -hmm. itself is probably also something joyous. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's a part that in terms of da'wah, that I think we've, we've sort of... <clears throat> we've sort of um, abandoned, so we focus very much on the purity of our theology, but just getting people to listen to a beautiful recitation of the Quran, that I think is very, very powerful. It is said of Qadi Abdul Basit, um, who's long since passed away, that some 500 people became Muslim just listening to his recitation. Yeah. I don't even know if they understood Arabic. Right. Yeah. And so there is that, that preserved beauty of the recitation, which goes all the way back to the Prophet, peace be upon him. Okay, continue. Now in your present state as prisoners, despair not of my presence, in order that I may take you by the hand, for none despaireth of God's mercy except the unbelieving people. Okay, so once again, do not fall into despair. Because what is what is the path of despair? That's the path of Iblis, okay. uh, the accursed shaitan. Like, Iblis literally means the one who has separated himself, the one who has fallen into despair. The believer does not have that as ever as an option. Mm-hmm. <laughs> will despair of the mercy of Allah. I mean. So again, he's saying that you must have hope, okay? and you must have hope in Allah. And then, and the language that he's using is, okay, let me take you by the hand. Mm-hmm. So the same person who they know as Muhammad is still Muhammad, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and he's speaking very, very gently to them. So mm-hmm. it started out first super tough, mm-hmm. and now he's gotten progressively more gently. So it's as though. He is probably softening their heart this whole time mm-hmm. through this process. And this is literally like step-by-step step, is a process that I take. You know, in my context, it's not someone who's at battle with me physically, but someone who it's, you know, start out tough when they're coming in uh, aggressively about their, their disbelief. And then once I reduce them, mm-hmm. 
Then, little by little, I start getting very, very gentle with them. Because they've been humiliated. Uh, they're not going to say they've been humiliated. I'm not going to laugh at them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they have the experience of humiliation. And that is a very delicate time. The prophet peace one could have totally crushed them emotionally. Um, like, by laughing at them. But no, no, he's taking them very, very gently. Okay, continue. Then the prophet continued saying, Now God says, O prisoners, if you turn away from your former belief and perceive me in both states of fear and hope and realize that you are subject to my will in all conditions, I shall release you from the state of fear. I shall restore you to all your property that has been plundered and lost. Nay, I shall restore it to you many times over. I shall pardon you and your wealth in this world. I shall... Um, and to your wealth in this world, I shall join the wealth of the next world also. Okay, so the second half is the easier part to understand. Mm-hmm. Everything you lost, you're going to get back. Yeah. Okay, and this is the prophet speaking. Peace be upon They know he's telling the truth. Okay. And then he says, "No, I'm going to give you more. Because okay. if your issue is wealth, I'm going to give you as much as you want. Mm-hmm. And then I will also give you forgiveness, which means because you fought us, you know, it's amnesty." And we're also going to be we're also going to be together in the next life, but now the first half. What is the, what is it saying that they have to do? The prophet is saying that Allah is saying number one, okay, turn away from reformed belief, mm-hmm. okay, which means turn to Allah in fear and hope. When were they probably turning to Allah? Probably in fear, you know, or it might have been only in hope, but here fear and hope. Okay. And then realize you're subjected to my will. That is an apida point, but it's also basically saying, understand you are not invincible. You are always vulnerable before Allah, which is the opposite of how they, they believe themselves because their theology became we're invincible. We can vanquish anybody. And then <clears throat> I shall release you from the state of fear. This I think is a wonderfully, beautifully profound point because if I can truly reach a point in my heart that I am 100% vulnerable to Allah, then that means all of my hope is in Allah. Which means if I'm driving, uh, I should not have a fear that I'm going to have a flat tire. Mm-hmm. I should still do my normal precautions for safety and everything um, and make sure I have air in my tires and all that stuff. But if it's Allah's will, then it's going to happen. But if it's in Allah's will for it to happen, then I will get through whatever. So I did this experience. I was with a friend of mine, and and we went out to eat, and uh, and then he forgot where he parked his car. So we were walking and walking and walking and walking and walking, and and he's getting afraid. And these lessons are playing in my head. Where it was also easier for me because it was his car, not mine. <laughs> but the point being that. Uh, you know, he was getting very, very worried because mm-hmm. he started to think of all the stuff he's going to have to do if the car gets stolen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just thought that, all right, you know, we're going to keep looking for the car. Mm-hmm. And it's also my intention that I'm going to be with him the whole night until mm-hmm. we're done with whatever it is we need to do. And I'm not saying this out of nobility, mm-hmm. just because I've been teaching this book for however many years. <laughs> Things are finally beginning to get internalized in a mashallah. So the point was that if it's in Allah's will for it to get stolen, then that's what we'll deal with. Mm-hmm. And then we'll just go through all the steps of whatever it is that we need to do. And alhamdulillah, it turned out, he parked literally like a block and a half away from where we were, even though we literally, I mean, we, we went to eat at, you know, in Devon. Yeah. And we walked uh, probably like two miles. Because oh we were getting close to Loyola. Oh <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So yeah, and so the point is that if you can truly bring yourself to dependence on Allah, you will cure yourself of anxiety. Okay. Now, I'm not telling someone who's suffering from anxiety, all you need to do is become vulnerable yeah, to Allah. Yeah. But I'm saying conceptually, that's the point. Yeah. Because what is anxiety? It is constant fear of everything falling apart. Mm-hmm. So, but um, again, for people who, in the, in the unlikely event someone's actually listening to this recording, other than you or I, <laughs> saying, uh, don't think that, all right, all you need to do is, is that, because your anxiety might be something physiological. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now, uh, what time is it? Um, okay, let's go a little bit further. Uh, so now, within the story, what happens? I repent. I repent, said Abbas. I have turned away from what I was. Okay, God requires a token of this claim you make to the prophet. Okay, yeah, I like this point too. So Al-Abbas is, like, is saying, okay, uh, you have convinced me. Mm-hmm. I'm sold. But now the prophet peace on him, says, okay, you got to prove it. Okay, yeah. Meaning, give, give some. If they're all about material wealth... Mm-hmm. Give me some material wealth. Yeah. Continue. It is easy to lay claim to love, but the proof of it remains otherwise. So even think about this uh, in, in terms of any goal you have, anything that you want, um, what are you putting forth to make it to, to, to show that this is what you want? So here it's the context of love, but think of love not just as uh, you know the love you have for a person or something like that, but... You know, you, your love can also be for attaining a goal. And it's very similar to love because you're always thinking about it. Okay? You're fearing you're not going to get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's similar patterns to, to love that you have for another person. But if all you're doing is lying in bed thinking about it, mm-hmm. then you actually don't have love. Then it's just an escape. Mm-hmm. Okay, so continue. In God's name, said Abbas, what token do you require? Okay, so he's even saying Bismillah. <coughs> so what do you need? Okay, continue. Give to the armies of Islam, said the Prophet, all the wealth you have left. If you have truly become a Muslim and wish well to the religion and community of Islam, give an order that the army of Islam may be strengthened. Okay, so why this? Because that's what we just fought. Yeah. So if you're truly switching sides, then now donate to the mm-hmm. side that you're joining. If you've truly become Muslim. Because that, in theory, would be the hardest if he's faking it. Uh, now, he could be faking it. I mean, we're talking about Labas, so we don't need any disrespect for him. But a person in this scenario uh, could be either lying to the Prophet of Yisona or lying to themselves. Mm-hmm. And so this has to be, this is the proof. Okay, continue. Oh, Apostle of God, he said, what have, what have I left? Everything has been plundered. I have not so much as an old straw mat left to my name. Mm-hmm. See, said the prophet, you still have not become righteous. You have not turned away from what you were. Let me tell you how much wealth you have, where you have hidden it, to whom you have entrusted it, and in what spot you have buried it. Okay, so here uh, we're doing a couple things. One, we're acknowledging that the prophet, peace be upon him, has certain vision that a normal person does not have. Now, it's possible that a wali of Allah or a sheikh of such a stat of such a station might also have something like this. But by and large, what is our equivalent? It's you keep probing the person, okay? and they will uh, they will reveal what they have. Okay? So the prophet is saying, okay, you know, let me see how much wealth you have. Or let me sh- tell you how much you have. And Labas says, oh no, and then continue. Did you not entrust a certain amount to your mother? 
Do you not bury it under a wall and stipulate that if you came back, she was to give it to you, and if you did not return alive, she was to spend it on a certain thing? Give so much to a certain person and keep a certain amount for herself? Okay. So another thing that this just hit me that can be close that a person who does not have this type of vision may have is also to read a person's face. Mm -hmm. So we call it firasa. So, uh, and some people do have the gift or have developed the skill to have the gift where you can tell if someone's not telling you the whole story. Okay. And so he gives his whole story. Didn't you give this money to your mother and do such and such? Okay, continue. When Abbas raised his finger and professed the faith sincerely, saying, O Prophet, in truth I used to think that you had good luck through the mechanism, machinations of fortune, as did many ancient kings like Haman, Shaddad, and Nimrod. However, when you told me what you have said, I knew for certain that this good fortune is mysterious and divine in origin. Okay, read the next paragraph too. You speak the truth, said the prophet. This time I heard that, that girdle of doubt you, you wore in, inwardly snap. The sound of its breaking reached that ear of mine that is hidden in the depths of my soul. Whenever anyone's girdle of doubt, polytheism, or infidelity snaps, I can hear the sound of it breaking with my inner ear, my soul's ear. Now you have truly become righteous and professed the faith. Okay, mashallah. So... So what are we saying here? <clears throat> that what is preventing people from getting closer to Allah, whether it's a kafir uh, becoming Muslim or a Muslim trying to get closer to Allah, is a lot of times we have knots around our heart. Mm -hmm. And those knots can be the consequence of how we respond to trauma. The knots can be a consequence of the learning that we've been given. Mm -hmm. The knots can be uh, the choices we've made, especially related to sin and 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 it's as though you know like we're taught that when you do commit a sin you, uh, a dark spot enters your heart or covers your heart and then you can be completely covered or we might use the the metaphor of rust um you know coating up your heart and so so a person intellectually conceptually might want to get closer to a law and one point we made is okay the proof is in your action what are you going to do about it uh a part of it is that you have this rust or these knots around your heart that you need to loosen up and break, mm -hmm. which might require a different type of action first. It might require a certain amount of tasbih, like praise of Allah, mm -hmm. um, subhanahu wa ta'ala, or certain other actions, like you know, a certain amount of sajdas and such, to allow yourself to humble uh, yourself spiritually. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what Abbas needed. So in Abbas's case, what did he need? He needed something miraculous. Mm -hmm. So in the contemporary time, <clears throat> a common person is probably not going to be able to appreciate the miraculousness of the Quran mm -hmm. unless they, are, uh, they know Arabic mm -hmm. and perhaps if they know literature, mm -hmm. right? Because that was Omar's story, right? He knew, he knew Arabic poetry. He knew what we call Jahili poetry. And then he, he, he looked at Surah Taha. He's like, no way, this is, this is real. But even in Omar's case, what was it preceded by? His sister getting in his face. Mm -hmm. And so he, and then he smacks her, and then he even has this moment of apologeticness, mm -hmm. and then he wants to see some Quran, and then she's she's still getting in his face saying, no, you have to go to wudu first, mm -hmm. and so now he's becoming obedient, and so he even has these steps, right, and so al Abbas needed something miraculous. So what do we have in the Quran? It's saying essentially come up with something better okay. than this package that we call Islam. Which means it's in our era, it's much more of an intellectual effort. But again, the miraculous thing could be a moment. 
I've had many students over the years where something bizarrely miraculous happened to them, um, you know, in a certain part of their search. Um, and then I've had other students where none of that stuff happened, but they realized they had nothing to fight against Islam with, uh, except just the habit or the stubbornness, and they had to just let it go. And so, yeah, so Abbas is saying he was still rationalizing you know, why things work for the Prophet So basically, good luck, and that he was really smart. And, and so part of this, again, in Surrender to Allah is to acknowledge, no, this is all coming from a force, a power much greater. And so then the knot loosened, or in this language, the knot broke. Okay, so let's stop here. Next time we'll get into the section that says, all this I said to the Parvana. Okay. سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك نشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت نستغفرك ونتوب إليك وآخر دعوانا أن الحمد لله رب العالمين